0: Episode 33 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke McGran.
1: I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for spending some time with us.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing, and Bet Online is giving you the chance to win some money while you watch. Every Sunday, you can head on over to Bet Online and check out the odds for every game, including player props and futures. But whether it's football, hockey, or any other sport. BetOnline has you covered. So head on over to BetOnline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future, do you believe? This week, we get to talk to former NHL goalie, analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights, Mike McKenna, about his thoughts on the state of the current hockey world, But first, we have a weekend of college hockey to catch you up on. So Jess, let's start with the games from this weekend. Here are the results from every game as of us recording this episode. From Atlantic Hockey, AIC swept the weekend against Air Force with a 3-1 win on Friday and a 2-1 victory on Saturday. In other Atlantic Hockey news, we had a split series as Canisius won 5-2 over Robert Morris on Friday, and Robert Morris took home a 5-4 win on Saturday. In the Big Ten, Notre Dame upset number six Michigan, sweeping the weekend with a three-two win on Friday and a two-one win on Saturday. Also on Saturday, Michigan State upset number nine Ohio State after a third Michigan State goal broke the tie in overtime. Out of the Hockey East, BC swept the weekend against UMass, a four-three win on Friday and a six-three win on Saturday. And in non-conference action. We have a couple of upsets to talk about here, Jess. First, on Friday, number eight, Clarkson, fell eight to five against RIT. And just the next night, number 14, Wisconsin, falls eight to five to none other than Arizona State. So a lot of action, a lot of upsets, Jess. Anything stand out to you?
1: Well, I was kind of disappointed with Michigan. You know, everybody was talking Michigan, title contender, title contender. And I didn't like how they played against Notre Dame. I thought that they could have done better. Boston College, my UMass Minutemen, sad to see that because UMass has got way too much talent to be just bullied by Boston College. Arizona State finally got their win. They were a really good team last year, and they've struggled. They're playing conference games against Big Ten teams. They finally got their win with that 8-5 over Wisconsin. At the same time, I would like to know Which Wisconsin team is going to be the team for this year because they've got talent, but yet a four and three record after seven games, that's not going to cut it. You got to do better than that. Well, first off,
0: before I go any further, I cannot wait to see how this shakes up the national poll. It won't be released until after this episode comes out, but that's going to be very exciting to see on Monday. Now, onto the games themselves. A huge tip of the cap to Notre Dame. We've been talking about how lethal this Michigan team has looked to start their season, and now they take two losses inside of their home arena. A really solid 120-minute performance out of Ryan Bichelle for the Fighting Irish. Mel Pearson is going to have to give his boys a stern talking to after this one. BC and UMass also had a very exciting series. Congrats to friend of the show, Eamon Powell, on his first career points on Friday. Two assists there against UMass. Big congrats to Eamon. UMass gave BC a good showing. This was a really good series, but this is a stacked team, Jess. It's going to take a lot to get them down. And the last game that I want to touch on, we said we were a little nervous about Clarkson at the beginning of this season. Not the best start for the Golden Knights. Six goals on 14 shots for Ethan Hayter. Will Calverly had a hat trick for RIT. Alden Dupuy had a four-point night. They'll get the chance to make it up tonight, but a tough start for the ECAC favorite.
1: With all these, well, starts and stops, the pauses, the game cancellations, I think it's going to be really hard for some of these young teams to develop, you know, some kind of chemistry, a game mentality or a game consistency. Because you don't know. I mean, you don't know if you're going to play until you show up at the ice. And even if you show up at the ice, the game might not be played. So it's hard to get that mindset going, you know? A hundred percent. Like you
0: said, a lot of starting and stopping. A slew of postponed games this weekend, Jess. I can only imagine what we're going to see next weekend.
1: St. Lawrence postponed games through Christmas. Northern Michigan cancels postponed six games. That's through December 4th and 5th. Who else is going to go? The NCHC is doing what I think the smart thing, which is they're going to play 10 games per team in a pod, and it'll be at the Nebraska Omaha Arena. And that way, it's going to take advantage of the students being on break. They have a limit on how many people can travel. They have to quarantine for seven days. These are guys are doing it just like the NHL did it. That way, they're going to get 10 games in, see what happens, and then move on from there. But that's going to get that league safely into games. And we need something like that. And I think all the leagues need to do something like this.
0: A lot to think about there, Jess, but we have a very special guest waiting for us. So let's get right into it. And now we are joined by former NHL goalie and current analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights and host of the podcast Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, now streaming on the Believe Network, the man himself, Mike McKenna. Mike, thank you so much for joining us.
2: You're welcome. What an intro. These things get better and better the further I am away from the game. I had a friend of mine the other day tell me, he goes, you're more famous now than when you played. And I go, yeah, actually, I actually did think you're right. <laughs> I can always hide behind a mask. Now i hide behind a microphone.
0: Let's just start off by looking at the big picture of the NCAA right now. You played four years of Division I college hockey yourself, and now we look across the landscape and we see programs are postponing games, canceling games, canceling seasons. Have you ever thought you'd see anything like this, and what do you make of all of it?
2: No. How could anybody prepare for what we're in right now? Whether you're in college, NHL, juniors, it's so hard to find the right balance to make anything happen right now. And you may prepare for something that two weeks later it goes away. And I look at my alma mater at St. Lawrence as a great example of that. They were all geared up, ready to play against Niagara in a home-and-home, and and it was canceled the day before, you know, because campus went into the yellow zone, I believe it was, and there had been a couple of COVID cases. And it's just really, really tough for them when you know that they're practicing with a goal in mind, and then that goal gets ripped away and then you don't know again how much further down the road you have to be before you're going to get that chance to actually play games. You could only practice so much. It's really a mind-boggling scenario from that regard, but it's really everybody too. I mean, pro hockey's in the same boat, you know? So even though everybody's getting a year older, it's almost like you're just sliding everyone's experience in the hockey world.
1: The thing that gets me is I don't see any uniformity. One league's going to go into the bubble. They're hoping they're going to start playing this week, uh, and maybe we need to have – all the other leagues, you know, working together.
2: The hard part that goes with that is that you're dealing with states, you know, states are the governing bodies for a lot of these things. And on top of that, you also have campuses themselves that have their own regimented governing of what's acceptable. There's so many moving parts and not being a communist country where they can just put the hand down and say, bang, you guys are doing this. It makes things tough because we are very much a state's rights country. So uh, that's difficult, you know, because I'd like to see the same thing. It'd be great if the NCAA could simply mandate, we're playing. Here's your timeframes, we're going. Problem is, if you have to cross into New York State, or if you have people playing in Arizona now, if you have people in Pennsylvania, everyone's all over with different rules. It's just such a nightmare from a logistical standpoint. I'm not sure when we're going to see the end of it, but everybody's so looking forward to that finally happening when it does.
1: I saw that the Big Ten invited Arizona State to give them somebody else to play besides themselves. And Arizona State, as an independent, had nowhere to go. And they're doing pretty good against Big Ten teams. I'd like to see, you know, schools like that did want to play. You know, maybe a Cornell or any of the other Ivy League schools that were wanting to play. Find a mini home, even if it's something like the Atlantic League, because some are playing, some aren't.
2: Yeah, I think you're just looking for any competition you can find at this point. It's not whether you're concerned about playing someone who's in what may be considered to be a lesser tier league or playing against the number one club in the nation. You just need games, you know, from, a, and really just from a mental standpoint for those student athletes, they need something to look forward to. You know, they're on campus for a reason, but they're there to play hockey. You know, it's an equal balance being a student athlete. Your passion is not walking into economics micro macro <laughs> and going, man, I'm going to nail this demand curve today. Make it into that. I got it. I mean, that was my major. But you're there because you really want to play hockey. You know, that's still, you know, part and parcel your, your two main goals. And you're just looking for anything that you can to try to, to have your competitive juices, not just against your own teammates.
0: Mike, we always ask people who played college hockey when they come on the show, what helped them make that decision? And obviously that was a little bit of a further journey for you than most people. When you were drafted in the NHL, I was in kindergarten. If you were a student athlete right now and you're looking to go play juniors, you're looking to go play college hockey. As someone who went to go play college hockey, what would you say to someone looking to make that decision?
2: Well, the dynamics have definitely changed. When I was drafted, it was 2002, but I'd already played my freshman year of college. During my draft class, if you went to college, you were not eligible until you were 19. You had to make that decision. Am I going to go to major, junior, and at 18 years old, be draft eligible? Or do I go to college and have to wait a year? To me, it didn't matter. Like, the NHL wasn't on my radar. I wasn't thinking that this is a pipeline to the NHL. I was thinking, wow, I might get a college scholarship. This is unbelievable, (laughs) you know? Uh, My career was all gravy, really. And to be honest, juniors were a hornet's nest of bad stuff. I just didn't want to be a part of junior hockey more than I had to. I did it for two years. I thought it was a lot of power struggle between 20-year-old guys hanging on to power over 16-year-old kids. And those were the guys that weren't good enough anyway. And I saw through that as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old and thought that you know college was more inviting. I was good at school, wanted to make sure I at least had my degree to fall back on. And I figured that, hey, I want to get college out of the way. It just made the most sense to me. I still had school as, as an important thing for me. Even back then, though, it was different, right? You had players come out of college and go to the NHL. It happened, but it's not with the frequency it is today. We're at the point now where NCAA players are making up a huge percentage of NHL draftees, of NHL free agent signings, people in the NHL itself. So to me, if you're a good hockey player, I cannot see any downfall to going to college. I mean, the worst case scenario of going to college is that maybe you leave early if you're that good. And if you do that, there's those guys that are going back, getting their degrees afterwards. Or, hey, if you play in the National for 10 years and you make 40 sheets, I mean, you probably don't need that business degree. But here's the thing, guys, like even a year or two of college makes a huge difference in somebody's life down the road. I can't tell you how many players I played with in pro hockey that came out of major junior that don't have a sniff about the real world whether it's business, whether it's anything that you've learned at school, whether it's just your perspective on life, they're hockey players and that's it. And I feel like hockey at the college level really gives you a much more rounded approach to life with the also the additional benefit of potentially leading to the NHL down the road.
1: But you've actually been kind of like a a man of many talents. What don't you do?
2: I am doing goalie coaching with 44 Vision Hockey, uh, teamed up with a friend of mine named Rob Schremp. He's one of the most skilled guys I ever played with, but I do... That kind of on the side, obviously, to my main gig at Vegas. You know, I am a studio analyst for them. That's my main thing. Uh, My podcast itself, Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, just came about from me wanting to talk to my friends and start to produce one. And what's ironic is I thought about a year before I started doing it, I should have, but I didn't think the optics of me being a current player were going to look great if I was doing it, which of course is silly, but there's a lot of concern with that when you're just trying to get a job at 35, 36 years old, you don't want it to appear like you have other distractions. And to me, distractions are good. I think distractions are great. There's way too many people that are completely focused on hockey, and they lose sight of everything, and they burn out. But I started to do it, kind of started recording my last year of pro and began releasing them at the end of my season. Well, you know, guess what? A couple months later, that podcast experience, that interview experience, that media experience led to my job with the Golden Knights. I mean, it's all kind of worked together. I had a radio show in college. I hosted Monday Night Metal for two hours a week at uh, St. Lawrence. I do have my my hand in a lot of fires, but uh, (laughs) that's just me as an individual. I'm just a curious person. I've made a life out of trying to be interesting because I don't like to live a bland life. I like to have a lot of different interests and I don't know, that's what keeps me going, you know, is being able to do stuff around the house, fix things, cook dinner, pick up a guitar, play hockey, you know, record my own podcast, edit it, do all that stuff. Like you realize in this world that if you don't know something, the answer's out there. It's either it's available through YouTube or Google or whatever it may be. If you got to fix your dishwasher, just go to YouTube, you know what I mean? Like,
0: and, and have the nuts to do it yourself. <laughs> Your worldview compared to anyone we've had the opportunity to talk to on this show is incredible. And you have a unique perspective because most people, when they think of the NHL, think of the guys that sign these massive contracts to go into to play for years and years go to the Hall of Fame. You spent a lot of your career going back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. And now looking at this season in particular, the NHL is trying to get that January 1st start date to get games going back again. But the AHL has postponed up until February 4th. You know, normally those two seasons go back and forth right on top of each other, but with this disconnect, how did that affect a guy like who was in your position?
2: The guys that are in the American league right now are really waiting for any sign of what's going to happen. February 4th seems to be the case, but who knows right now? A lot of them have signed contracts. They think like financially they're going to be okay once it finally starts, but uh, this is tough for a lot of people for sure, right? Like you're thinking, are we going to play? Do I need to start looking outside hockey? Do I need to start coaching kids at the local rink? You know, like you have to think of these things. And the interesting aspect is because there is so much money in hockey right now, even it permeates down to the American league level that, the players are pretty good right now, but it's going to start kicking in. And the NHL players are going to be fine no matter what, most of them. But you start to think of the depth players now, and and it starts to be real. I've already seen friends retire probably a year or two ahead of time because of everything that's happened and the uncertainty. So it's kind of been a big reset button for a lot of people, and it's encouraged them to look outside the game and figure things out in a hurry. And for myself, like I was a number three goaltender. That's really what defined my last – 12 of my 14 years pro, I could be called up at any moment. And I was, and, you know, I played for 20 something teams, nine NHL teams, but I was only traded twice. You know, that's the life of that, that person. And if they kick the NHL season off on January 1st, maybe we see expanded rosters, taxi squads, there's addendums they can put on their CBA, but they're going to have to make room and they're going to have to make space for those guys who are on the depth signing contracts that, you know, so you have something of a taxi squad of available players if need be.
0: For a guy who retired at the season before last, you're probably feeling really good about your decision right now, huh?
2: Oh, well, I did, I did in the first place. And now I look back, I can't tell you how many times I've said to friends, to my wife, like, man, I nailed that. You know, like I was planning my, I was planning my exit and I knew I wanted to retire when I did. It was on purpose. But man, like looking at this mess, I'm so happy that I got a final game that I knew when it was and I could enjoy it and, and not just, you know, have to walk away with uncertainty. It it was, it was really, really good timing.
1: So where do we go from here? Do we go into bubbles? Do we keep postponing until everything is safe? I'm watching the Alberta junior hockey league where they had one team with 16 kids test positive. So that whole league is shut down until the possibly the end of December So, where do we go? Do we just keep trying to get a game in here and there, or do we just simply shut it down and wait for everybody to get on the same page? That's the hardest question.
2: I mean, right now, I think you're looking at a scenario where we're all looking at the vaccine to be a magic bullet, and I'm not sure that's going to be. If everybody wants to take it, which I know it's not going to happen, I mean, what's the tipping point for us to get to some sort of immunity? What's the tipping point to where, you know, we're only seeing a couple of cases? on the rare occasion. And does that at that point still require quarantine? We don't have any of the answers for that. That's the hardest part. The NHL, they proved that they could pull it off in a bubble. Obviously they didn't have a single positive test the whole time they were there, which was remarkable. But when it comes to college, when it comes to pro now, not trying to go to a bubble, you will have positive tests and how do you deal with them? Do you quarantine an entire team? Does it take two or three? I wish we all had that answer Uh, because you know, that's how you get out of this eventually is like, You know, it might be two years down the road, somebody pops up with a positive test. And do we say at that point, oh, shut her down? Like, or do we just roll with it? It's a big conundrum and we're in uncharted territory.
0: Mike, I got one more question before we let you go here. St. Lawrence, alma mater, current analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. Are there any kids that we should have our eye on that you've been taking a look at?
2: Well, I could always talk about our goalie union. (laughs) those are the ones that you really keep our, our closest eye on you know we there's a Swedish goaltender there named Emile Zetterquist who's really matured in his game another super high flying French Canadian Francois Boisvert and then the third goalie that's come in this season his name's Grant Adams who came from the USHL BCHL so the three of them it's a it's a wide open race for them to get playing time which is so exciting for me looking from afar with my old school, it's like, man, we got three goaltenders that may end up playing, that are battling each other, that are friendly with one another. And, you know, just being able to to mentor them, get to know them a little bit like we do with an alumni network is so much fun. Whether it's players, goalies, you know, we, we get that opportunity as alumni to often have conversations with the players, with the coaching staff. That part's so cool. So, those three goaltenders, 100%. And really just looking forward to, you know, what Brent Brecky's doing at St. Lawrence, uh, really rebuilding the culture there and making sure that it's a place people want to play. I contributed to the fact that we've got a brand new renovation to Appleton Arena. It's gleaming. I haven't seen it in person yet, but it's something that you have to have in college. If you want to be a Division 1 program, if you want to play in the sandbox, you got to bring your toys and you got to have them. And you have to have a nice facility. And St. Lawrence has stepped up and done that in recent years, and it's a special place. So we're all hoping that, again, Coach Brecky really gets gets things going whenever things do and restores the program back to the standard that we all remember from, I mean, Luke, before you were born when they were winning championships in the (laughs) ECAC, but even when I was there and a little after when the team was knocking on the door.
0: Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Please tell the lovely people at home where they can find you. Yeah, So uh,
2: my social media, at Mike McKenna 56, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on all of those accessible through them. And then my podcast is Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. It's on the Believe Podcast Network as well. And you can find it everywhere it streams, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, do a lot of stuff there. I'm available for goalie coaching, 44 Vision Hockey. If you go to their website, you can kind of check out what we're doing. But the easiest way is just get in touch with me at Mike McKenna 56. That's uh, the simplest way to do things. And once hockey gets going again, you can catch me on at and Sportsnet, Rocky Mountain West, the longest name in all of the sports stations, uh, <laughs> as a studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you.
2: You're welcome, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again.
0: So that was Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie and host of the Six Degrees with Mike McKenna podcast. Jess, what did you think?
1: Man, that was such a breath of fresh air. I always think of goalies as eccentric. And I deal with so many former players who've turned to scouts. Mike was just, he was just unbelievable. It was awesome to talk to somebody who's so well thought and well spoken. And you know what's the best part is he gets it. He understands the whole situation from all sides. We've talked to so many different people who are just
0: starting or in the middle of their hockey career, right? People who are just kind of getting the feel of things. He's seen it all. And now he's on the other end of it, passing that information on to the new guys. So to hear what he had to say was really incredible just to kind of get that perspective after hearing so many different stories of people who are in the thick of it now.
1: If you go look at his career page, you're talking about a guy who has been all over the map. He is like the poster child for journeyman Goldie, but in his case, he's more like the gentleman journeyman.
0: Mike has seen it all and done it all, and a big thank you to him for joining us. But that's going to do it for us this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess at Luke Lagrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano.
1: And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Please stay safe out there.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.